Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. former NFL offensive lineman, Jordan Gross. He spent his entire 11-year career with the Carolina Panthers. He played his college football at Utah and was the 8th overall pick in the 2003 NFL Draft. He was a three-time Pro Bowler and a first-team All-Pro in 2008, and he also played in Super Bowl 38. He joins us today on Unpacking It to discuss football, faith, family, and farming. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm actually heading to the farm now, so uh, all's good. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I, w- I want to ask you all about that, but, but of course, the, the NFL draft has been taking place so, so I want to get your thoughts just on your experience uh, of draft day and, and what was it like and, and what do you remember most uh, about being drafted? Well, I, you'll never forget it. You know, I was uh, leading up to the draft. I was projected to be the top offensive lineman taken. And I thought that that could mean anything from the Texans at third overall to maybe on down to uh, the Ravens, who I believe were 10th or 11th that year so I, I thought I'd probably go somewhere in the top 10 but it's funny because, uh, because it, it, back then they only invited like maybe 15 guys to the draft and I was asked to come oh. and I didn't because I thought man what if I slip to 20th or something I'm the <laughs> only guy sitting there so yep. I didn't when I, I was married at the time to my wife already and uh, we stayed home in Utah and, and watched it and that's the year the Vikings let the clocks run out and then the uh, Jaguars stepped up and went from eighth to seventh really quickly and drafted Byron Leftwich and then the Panthers ran their card in and jumped from ninth to eighth and and drafted me so it was a crazy time I didn't even know what was happening as we watched TV I never got the call before before they picked me it all kind of happened at the same time so a wild day and you know next thing you knew my wife were on a plane to Charlotte we were coming out to to see where we'd be living for the next you know while and uh, the rest is history oh that's a great story so so what was your your first impressions of the city of the the team and and just kind of your response to okay the panthers are, are where i'm going yeah yeah you, you know it's funny because the panthers were so low-key about their interest in me i did not think that they were looking at me they did they didn't come to my pro day i didn't do any private workouts for them i didn't go on a visit to to charlotte nothing I no, no interviews over the phone wow All, i saw them at the combine and at the combine we talked about my college teammate steve smith the whole time and laughed about what a knucklehead he is you know it was just <laughs> It was so laid back, John. I remember at the combine meeting John Fox, who was the coach, you know, my first eight years, and thinking, you know, what a great guy I thought he was. But honestly, just no idea that they were going to pick me. And, and when they did, I, I flew out to Charlotte and I met Jerry Richardson, who who had a big impact on my career. You know, we ended up spending a lot of time together in that building. But um, he's a, you know, the southern, well-dressed southern guy with the accent. And I was just a world away from Idaho where I grew up in Utah where I was at college. But very excited about it. And then 
getting to have the success we did starting right away as a rookie and then making it all the way to the Super Bowl was just a heck of a way to start a career. It was something that um, I, I don't think I understood how awesome that was at the time because Super Bowl, is, obviously I never got back, you know, so it was, it was special that, to get that early on. Gosh, that's a, a great story. Jordan Gross, our guest right now on Unpacking It. He was the eighth overall pick in the 2003 NFL draft by the Carolina Panthers and spent his 11-year career uh, in Charlotte. And, and so as you think back to that, that, that time with the, the draft, what, what advice did you receive around the draft, either before or, or kind of just after at that point? And then what do you wish you knew about the whole draft process? Well, it was still it was shrouded in a lot more mystery than it is now. You you got to see that ESPN held the draft day coverage, but it just wasn't publicized as much. Mel Kiper still had his big board, and I was checking that thing every day. <laughs> I had some decisions to make, though. You know, my season at Utah, we were we did we had a mediocre season. We were under five hundred, did not go to a bowl game, so I was done before Thanksgiving, hmm. which is abnormal you know usually you're in some kind of a bowl game so i had a lot of time to train for the combine and stuff one big decision was whether or not to go to the senior bowl because i really felt like i i did not have anything to gain by going and risking injury and i was getting a lot of pressure from some scouts and stuff to go play because being from the mountain west conference which is what i was in at the time i wasn't playing against a lot of top nfl caliber defensive linemen so there were some questions there but I was in full combine training mode all the way up, you know, past the combine and towards the draft. And I just thought that it was a smart decision to leave and I caught or to not play. I mean, and I caught some flack for that and, uh, but it turned out to be the right thing. And then on draft day, you know, there's just really no way to prepare yourself. It's just, huh. I, I don't know how guys wait because I was the eighth pick. I mean, it literally <laughs> was like an hour and a half, you know, and I yeah. just remember, Oh my gosh, I was so stressed out at the time. And so excited when you just you just feel so flattered. It's surreal I mean, to get drafted, and you're thinking now I'm playing in the NFL, yeah. and I've got to do well because I'm a first round draft pick. You know, there's there's some pressures that come with it. But fortunately, I was already married and had a good support system at home, which is great. Now I want to hear more about that. Jordan Gross, our, our guest right now on Unpacking It, and and so the final thought, just kind of on the the draft, and then ultimately your your first season in the NFL. The Panthers go to the Super Bowl. So so you ended up teaming up with a couple of your former teammates and and wrote a book called The Rookie Handbook: How to Survive the First Season yeah. in the NFL. And, and so maybe give us a little you know tease of of what that that book w- was all about and and yeah. some, some of the key things that you wrote about. Well, I actually forget that I'm a published author, so thanks for reminding D- me. That's that. right. Don't forget. Uh, yeah, Ryan Khalil, one of my best friends in the world, he's just um, finished a 12-year career with the Panthers, and he's got great things in front of him. Who knows what those will be, but he's a man of many talents, so he's uh, always working on something. And case in point is, we had he and Jeff Hangartner and I, um, who I played with in Carolina for seven years, we were great friends, and we always were just you know, trying to make things fun and interesting in the O-line room, in the locker room, and Every year you get rookies that come in. I was the same way. And they, you just, when you're a rookie, you just don't know what you don't know. Mm. I mean, from dressing what, properly for charity events or the airplane or how to tell people no when they want money, buying cars, how to tape your hands and fingers for the game. It's comedic. And I was the same way. But to see the decisions that 
21-year-old guys make in a world, you know, in this whole new world that they're in. Good decisions, bad decisions, funny decisions, sad decisions. Ryan went out and bought this leather-bound journal, and we started writing a, a rookie handbook just to be, you know, sarcastic and to our rookies and give it to them. And then Ryan said, we should do this for real. So we sat down, no, no co-author, the three of us pounded it out. We had a really great illustrator and you know, it's something I'm proud of. It's it's not a New York Times bestseller, but everyone that's read it has enjoyed it because it's a page turner and it's all true, man. The pranks that can happen to you and how to how to avoid the wrong women and I mean a little bit of everything. So we had a good time with it. Oh, that that's really cool. Jordan Gross, our guest right now on Unpacking It. The book's called The Rookie Handbook: How to Survive the First Season in the NFL. And and so a big part of you being able to to survive that that first year and then throughout your your NFL career uh being married and and so we would love to hear just about the the role that your your wife played in you know your life but but also your your career and and the importance of having you know her in your corner uh through, throughout that that time. Yeah, so Dana um we she she moved to my town, my hometown of Fruitland in sixth grade. So I met her then, and wow, always had the, always had the hots for her, and didn't make a move <laughs> until the day after our junior year got over. The first day of summer, we went on a date to a bowling alley and and to Jack in the Box actually. Nice, <laughs> so that's nice. that's the kind the kind of date I would give her back then. That's all the money I had, but um, just a, a great person, you know. I think. I don't think I know who, if, if, if you decide to marry someone, that's the biggest decision you'll ever make. It's just, it sets the tone for your life, your happiness so much. And it's not, and being married is not, you know, it's like the Maroon 5 song. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. It's compromise that moves us along. And it's so true. You know, Mm. I just sharing years, we're coming up on 18 years together, married, uh, 21 before that i get now 23 22 together total and we're only 38 so it's been you know most of our lives um you got to be a team and you got to be able to put yourself second sometimes when you um, feel like you want to be first you know mm. um you, you it it it, uh, it hardens you and, it, and the discipline of being in a relationship with the sacrifice it takes and everything is it makes you a better person um and you've got to know you got to have you got to you don't have to hit on all points you don't have to agree on everything but you got to agree on the big things you oh, know yeah. like how you want to raise your kids where you would like to live how you want to spend your money how much money you're willing to to spend types of friends you want to be around relationships with parents i mean there's some key things that you've got to really agree on to make it work and fortunately Dane and I do and there's been some tough decisions over the years and the stresses of collegiate football. We got married when we were 20. So we went through a college, two college seasons and then the draft together. And there's a lot of things pulling at you. And now, you know, we're we're through all that and we've decided to move back to Idaho and and do what we're doing now on the farm. And, you know, life's great. uh, But I, I, that's what you cannot slack off on your marriage. If it's, if it's good, everything else is good. You'll be a better father. You'll be a better friend. You'll be a better football player. If you're neglecting your marriage, man, it's it's a recipe for disaster. Wow. Great advice from Jordan Gross here on <laughs> Unpacking It. Uh, 11-year career with the Carolina Panthers, offensive lineman uh, in the NFL. 
And and so you, you mentioned you, you moved back to Idaho. So you, you retired in 2014, and, and you, you stuck around in Charlotte a, a little bit and, and were involved uh, with, with the Panthers in a broadcasting sense and then decided to, to move back to Idaho. So, so what is life like for you these days, and, and, and what went into that decision to, to go back to, to Idaho? Well, you know, we both are from here, my wife and I, all our families here. You know, our whole history is in this state. Um, we left to go to, to Utah and play football and do college, which was great. And then we um, went to Carolina. We were there for 14 years. But right after I got drafted, we bought a farm in our hometown with the goal of someday moving back and, you know, kind of raising our kids in a similar environment that we were in when we grew up. And um, that that itch never went away. And so I retired from football in 2013 after the 2013 season. It was actually February of 2014 officially. But um, – I retired and uh, worked for the team for two years doing TV and radio and um, some in-house stuff that I wanted to see how I liked that and kind of took our time transitioning back and finally said, you know, it's time to go. Let's do this. We had another baby. And so uh, we have three kids now and we just wanted to get home. But, But the beautiful thing about being with the Panthers that long and continuing to maintain my relationships as I still get back there. You know, I was back there recently doing some stuff for the 25th uh, anniversary of the team, some production stuff and going to some, going to a game or two every year and yeah. staying in the loop. And, you know, just like I was talking about a marriage, my relationship with the Carolina Panthers is one that will take work to make it last, but it's mm. really important to me to stay a part of that organization in some capacity for all the, the wonderful things that they did for me and the meaningful relationships that I have in that building with the fans. So, um, it's always on my to-do list to to keep that relationship going. Oh, that, that's really cool. And and so you you still stay connected, but you're out there in, in Idaho. So so what is day-to-day life like, and and what does it mean to to be a farmer, and what's kind of your uh your role in, in in all of that? Well, we we bought a farm, like I said, in 2005, um, called Little Buddy Farm. I named it after my father-in-law, who. Uh, I gave him that nickname in, when I was in college. He's a little, he's kind of a short little guy, and I, he lovingly let me call him Little Buddy because we're great <laughs> friends. And so to pay tribute to him, he's a farmer also. We named the farm after him. But um, it's about 80 acres, and we do a lot of animal feed crops. So we do oats and alfalfa with the majority of our acreage right now and sell it to a good friend of mine who has a very large dairy in town. Um, but we're transitioning to organic and we're, and we're, and what I'm really excited about is we're growing our, uh, vegetable production side. So market farming, where we're growing over 70 different varieties of produce, some fruits that we sell to customers and to restaurants and things like that. So I spend a lot of my time with the hands in the dirt and uh, playing with worms and, uh, working on building the business so that we can employ more people. We do a lot of educational programs and stuff and we really want to expand that even more where we get kids out on the farm learning how to do it and and really it's amazing to see them um, experience planting seeds harvesting food and the joy that everybody gets out of that but especially kids help them learn an appreciation for eating more healthy foods and i've also been able to have a few veterans out there that have wanted to spend some time on the farm that have been dealing with you know some of the stuff they deal with when they come back from battle and it's therapeutic, man. Being being out there uh, wow. with the with nature and the bees, and so it's it's a hobby of mine. It's a business of mine. It's a charitable interest of mine and my family. And um, we've been fortunate enough to hire a, a really great uh, guy to join our team, who 
passionate about it as well, Ben. Uh, the lifesaver for us. So it, it's neat. It's a dream come true, and, and um, I'm excited for what the future holds. Oh, man, that that's really cool to hear. Jordan Gross, former NFL offensive lineman with the Carolina Panthers and now a farmer, and uh, he, he's with us here on Unpacking It. And, and Jordan, man, we, we love talking football and, and cool to hear about your, your farming, but, but we also love talking about faith here on Unpacking It. And, and so we'd love to, to hear a little bit about your, your faith journey and, 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 the, and the role that, that God has played in, in your life and your dependence on him. And so what, what has, and maybe we'll, we'll talk specifically about how your faith has grown since retiring from football and, and how important has your, your faith been in the transition away from football and in your reliance on God? You know, my, my story of redemption is not one of a whole lot of redeeming. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I stand like everybody else, but I never really had a phase in my life where I got off of off course. You know, I grew up going to a youth group in a free Methodist church in my hometown and went, went to a big youth rallies and all that stuff. And I was never overly churchy, to use that term, if, if you know what I mean. I, I always enjoyed going. It was a part of my life. But I um, had friends kind of from all walks of life and still do today. At, in Utah, we didn't have a chaplain or anything. There's a lot of LDS guys on our team, and, and I was not. But I uh, never really found a church home. I did some um, uh, FCA stuff in college a little bit, but um, honestly didn't really connect too much. And then we got to Utah. We had a great chaplain at Mike Bunkley for a number of years, and we would always have chapel services and, uh, during training camp and during game day. So that community of my football team was one that also gave me a great community for you know my, my faith as well. And I, I guess now, you know, I, I've kind of been, my life story has been one of fidelity, I would say, just kind of staying true and loyal and on track and trying not to mess things up too much. So my dependence on God, I, I'm fortunate that he never gave me with too many vices that I'm having to overcome all the time. And I try to stay true to what keeps me right. You know, that's my family, that's my wife. And and honestly, the best church service I've ever been to is when I'm outside either camping or hiking or, you know, more recently just being out on the farm in community with friends and family. And, you know, I think God is everywhere and I can feel it when I'm, when I'm producing, when I'm growing, when I'm cultivating the land and seeing all these parables that are in the Bible about reaping what you sow and, and seeds and all that stuff. You know, you see it and then you can feel it so uh a, a relationship that's been consistent my entire life and uh hopefully it remains that way because uh, god has definitely blessed me and my family with, with more than we, we ever deserve man what what a great testimony and and that word consistency is you know unfortunately it's not it's kind of a rare word to use for for a lot of people and and, and the the lives that, that that we live and so so what are some of those just kind of practical ways that, that you've you know just stayed connected to the Lord and, and continue to, to pursue Him, and, and what does that look like on a, on a day-to-day basis for you? Yeah, well, I'm a quick prayer guy. Um, I don't have a prayer routine or anything like that, but I know when there's a moment of appreciation or a moment of uh, thanks or a moment of, you know, I'd be asking for some help, whether it's I want my carrots to germinate or, you know, mom's recovering from her hip surgery. 
So I try to stay in practice with that. Self-coaching, man, on the consistency, you know areas where you could eventually lead to trouble. Mm. You know, whether it's the wrong I mean, your peer group is huge, and now that, you know, I'm getting close to 40, I don't surround myself with idiots, but <laughs> you're, you have an opportunity to do that, especially when you're younger, and they can lead you down the wrong path into some decisions that you would say heck no to at one point in time can become pretty comfortable quickly if you are around the wrong vibe too much. You know, your cell phone is a wonderful tool. I use it for all our farm planning, checking the weather, running math calculations, seeing what my Panthers are doing, but it's full of things that could just lead you to situations that could just destroy your life, you know, and I don't need to list all that stuff off, but that's right in the pocket, in your pocket at all times. So I feel like now more than ever, there's always been, there's always been pits and snares for men to step into or fall off on, but now it seems like there's stuff closer than ever but, you know, there's substance abuse, there's gambling, there's other addictions. I mean, it's everywhere. So just knowing, you know, like, get, don't get close to the fire. You're going to get burned. And so having a good internal clock to be able to tell yourself, uh, am I looking for gratification or am I looking for a long-term quality of life? And, you know, fortunately, more often than not, I've chose the right answer there. Man, that's awesome. Jordan Gross, our guest right now on Unpacking It, 11-year career with the Carolina Panthers. Now he's a farmer out in Idaho. And, and, and of course, I, I got to ask you a little bit about the, the Panthers and, and, and even in, in talking just about your consistency uh, in your faith, but, but you're also consistent as a, as a leader in that locker room with the Panthers. And, and, and guys looked up to you and admired you and fans did as well. And, and so what goes into that role as far as being a, a captain and a leader in the locker room and, and then my follow-up to that is the Panthers are kind of going through a transition with that because guys like Ryan Khalil, like you mentioned, have retired, and, and Thomas Davis was released, and Julius Peppers retired. So just this concept of leadership and, and kind of your experience with that, what, what, what can you kind of share in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've benefited from having great leadership around me, and I've also had a lot of experience being one of the leaders, and, and they're drastically different roles, but they're all needed. When I got to the Panthers, our O-line, I was the rookie at right tackle. The guard next to me was Kevin Donnelly, a 13-year veteran. Our center was a seven-year veteran. Our left guard was in his fifth year, and our left tackle was in his tenth year. So I was surrounded. Our backups were all older guys, too. So I was surrounded by experience and leadership. And I, I, I literally didn't have to worry about anything other than myself. Mm. They handled even the press for me, if I had a bad game, they were running interference on it for me. They were showing me how to work hard, how to lift weights right, how to have fun, how to enjoy your job, but respect the game, respect the coaches. And so that taught me so much, so so much more than the coach could have, was having an example right in front of me to study. Well, the next year, three of those guys were gone. I was left with just the center, and, and another year later, so quickly you look around and, and that role you, you depended on to kind of tell you what to do. But before you know it, you look up and you're going, well, shoot, I guess I'm the leader now. And really, it's no different. You know, earlier talking about being a husband or being a parent. We have a kid, a 13-year-old son, and a 10-year-old daughter, and a 3-year-old son. Just making it bigger than yourself and asking what's the best for the group or the team or the family, you know, that's the key because usually what's what you want to do is not the right answer. Um, what, what 
easier is rarely ever the right answer. And what's um, good for the group is the harder thing to do. So um, keeping that in mind when you make decisions and then, you know, the respect of having to respect your teammates of your or of your family, your friends, and that's so rewarding to me just to know that you can be somebody people can count on. And it's not every day you're perfect, but it's some of the parts that really leads up to them it's a good word from jordan gross here on unpacking it and and jordan we'll we'll wrap up with with this thought because you mentioned being a a father of three and and actually i'm my wife and i were pregnant with our first and so recently i've been asking our guests uh what what kind of wisdom can you share uh for me and for our listeners today for a first time dad good luck man i don't know i still don't have it figured out uh remember why you got into this whole thing right i mean at some point in time you were saying i want to get married and i want to have a kid or whatever the circumstances are and when you're in the middle of it you know my wife and i i remember when we were in high school and early college talking about man we get married someday and have a family and raise kids and it sounds all peachy at the beginning of it and it is wonderful but some days are battles man you're gonna have little kids poop their pants right before you're heading out to Easter dinner with your in-laws, you know, and you got to like, this is true stories. You got to change a puke explosion that ruins your wife's dress on the way to a charity event. I mean, it's like anything you can think of can happen and do it all with a smile on your face. Um, remember, remember what you loved or wished was different about your parents and try to be that for them. Hmm. Um, and, and you're trying to raise, a well-adjusted adult human being someday. And so I have a 13-year-old son, Teddy, who's dealing with puberty and middle school and all that. He's a great kid, but some days he seems like an alien and taking over his own body, you know. <laughs> so just patience and a good and a good laugh. Remembering you're dealing with undeveloped brains, man. If you're arguing with a two-year-old, then you're the bigger idiot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that that's great advice and we'll uh we'll end it right there jordan man really appreciate you being a part of the show today great to hear from you and and glad you're doing well out in idaho and and wish you the best on the farm and with your family and and, and glad to hear you're you're still connected with the panthers and and we'll be pulling for them uh this upcoming season for sure so thanks so much for joining us today thank you i enjoyed it all right i appreciate it there's jordan gross joining us here on unpacking it For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.